Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in and the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Shay Coleman walks into the studio as if she didn't even run a 100-miler recently. Uh, Shay completed the Mighty Mosquito 99 with, with the extra bonus mile up to the water tower. Uh, so we're going to chat a bit about that. She said, uh, she texted me and said, I finally have something to talk about. So that's, I'm interested to hear uh, about all the other stuff that came before that that apparently wasn't worth talking about. Um, also, we're going to talk a little bit about being a volunteer extraordinaire and uh, her exciting plans for uh, multi-sport events, whatever those are, who knows. Um, I'm also interested in getting to know a little bit about her uh, house full of animals. So uh, with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of runners just like you. Hey Shay. Hey Chris. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. How's life down on the farm? Life on the farm is good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's run through the roster. What do you got down there on that farm as of, as of now? As of right now, we have two dogs, two horses, two pigs, and one barn cat. A barn cat. That's, yes. a di- that's a different kind of cat, right? Yeah, she's completely feral. I've never touched her. We got her fixed through a trap neuter release program, um, but she watches us, and sometimes she acts like a normal cat. Like she'll hang her out by the house, and she'll wait for me to come out and feed her, and she'll watch us. Um, but she's completely feral. All right. So you got you got like a regular Noah's Ark thing. You got like two of everything going on there. Yeah, except for the cat. Out that way. Yeah. All right. And uh, the newest one's the Hound Dog, right? That's the, the yep. newest edition. Sam the Basset Hound. <laughs> and how old are your pigs these days? They are three, I believe. Three. Mm-hmm. All right. And this is like the season for them, right? Like this is the rain and a little bit chilly and like. Yeah. Pigs don't do well in the heat of the summer. Um, pigs actually don't sweat. Yeah. So I have wading pools set up in their yard, mm-hmm. um, so they wallow a lot to stay cool. Um, but yeah, the summer heat and the bugs can get pretty miserable. So this time of year, um, they're out rooting and foraging. I give them all my vegetable scraps um, so they can have something to forage for. And yeah, they love life. And um, it's funny because I joke that my pig's garden grows better than I do. Um, I'll find random pumpkin plants or squash plants growing in corners of their field. Um, And if they leave them alone, last year we had one that was kind of half in the fence and half out of the fence. And the pigs grew a pretty decent pumpkin, which I let them eat. (laughs) Oh, they got it. Yeah, you chopped it up and kind of. Yeah, I pretty much just cut it in half. So each pig gets their own half. Um, They can actually get at a whole pumpkin on their own. It's pretty interesting to watch because they don't really have sharp teeth like not the type of teeth that you would need to tear into something but they figure it out they just work right Mm -hmm. wow yeah so you got this farm going that's pretty neat um and then as as i mentioned um you you're talking about dabbling in multi-sport stuff how you got time to do that with running all these hundred milers 
Well, I really <laughs> like the cross training that yeah. comes with it. Um, I call myself a fake triathlete because I do a lot of the workouts. I've only completed one real triathlon. Um, that was last year, the Finger Lakes Triathlon in Canadagua. I did the sprint distance, and I just think it's really fun. It's a different challenge. Um, you know, it might take the same amount of time as it would take to run X amount of miles, but you're a different kind of tired. Mm-hmm. It's not all legs. It's legs, arms, a little bit of everything, and you're usually soaking wet. So, okay, it's well, a little different. <laughs> it's, yeah, you, you know, I mean, if I ever use poles for a long run, my arms get sore so i got that you know yeah the soaking wet part is easy i I sweat like a fool so i I feel like maybe i can just do the multi-sport thing just by running yeah you get a (laughs) get a good feel the bike distance is nice though because it kind of takes the impact off of your legs and i guess you get a breeze regardless of the temperature yeah that's true Uh, you're not you're not selling it very well though i I feel like i'm selling it for you Well, like I said, I'm a fake triathlete. Yeah. So do you think that's going to be kind of a thing for you, or is it just for mixing up a little bit? Um, well, I do like the idea of races that have cutoffs that are less than 30 hours now. <laughs> so I kind of like that. Like, even when you're with your longer triathlons, usually there's pretty solid time cutoffs. Um, so your, your goal is obviously to make it before those cutoffs so you can continue. Um, and it's just, it's different, you know. You've got to be a strong swimmer to get done with the swim on time. You have to know how to transition, you know, go from your swimming gear to your cycling gear. And then again, from your cycling gear to your running gear. And so it's just sort of a different challenge and your body reacts very differently when you go from one intense activity to another intense activity. Mm -hmm. Like when you get off a bike after biking for 20 miles and start to run, your legs are like, whoa, What's going on? What that's are we a, doing now? That's and a it whole takes different. a yeah, it takes a few strides to kind of be like, "Oh, I remember how to run." That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I get that. And there's equipment and technology and everything. It's probably more fun, right? There's more stuff to think. If you're a problem solver, that's probably where you want to be, you know. Yeah, and if you like gadgets and gear and data and that type of thing, all sorts. I mean, there's a different cadence for swimming, a different cadence for biking, mm-hmm. a different cadence for running. Um, all sorts of stuff that you can really delve in and analyze. Yep. So, all right. So you mentioned this 30-hour cutoff. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, uh, you know, this is where we're going to spend a bit of time. So you, uh, the beginning of August, you ran Mighty Mosquito 99. I did. Uh, the majority of folks at that race ran it with a team. I, I ran it with a team. Five other folks helped me do 99 miles. And by team, you mean relay team, right? Relay team. Yes. Not just a team of people that held my hair and, you know. Because <laughs> I had a team, but it was a different kind of team. <laughs> so you decided to do this race solo. Yes. Last year, you sort of also did it solo. You just volunteered for the entire darn thing. I did, yes. Right. So what's up with this race? Why is it so uh, special and interesting to you? Well, most people think I'm weird when I say this. Most runners think I'm weird, but I love loops. I love the loop format. I love the familiarity of it. I love that I know where the aid station is going to be. I love that I know where the hills are going to be. And it really helps with logistics. You don't have that like fear of what if I want to stop running at 50 miles and I'm in the middle of nowhere. Um, 
and it's, you know, you don't have to worry about, oh, I forgot this at the last aid station. You're going to be at your aid station another five and a half miles. Um, and I really love Menden. You know, it's the closest park to where I live. It's probably about 15 minutes from where I live. Um, and I really love the, rep- the variety of that park. And, you know, the history of the race is pretty neat, too. Our friends at Trails Rock started it a few years ago and did a really mm-hmm. good job getting it going and um, getting the word out about Mighty Mosquito. And then um, the folks at Blue Foundation took it over, and they've really just sort of taken off with it and brought some fresh energy into it, tried some different things. Um, and, of course, they're a charity, so all the money that they raise goes towards their charity. Mm-hmm. which is obviously always a good cause. Yeah, and what what I like about it is when else are you camping in Menden Ponds Park, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't happen very often. With a bunch of runners. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fun too, you know. Yeah, it's like a huge party for a couple of days. Yeah. And you started your uh you started doing your crazy loops a few years back, right? And you have you done Mind the Ducks, I can't remember. I have not. No, but you did candlelight 12-hour, yes. right? And so you did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and was that where you sort of started your loop thing? That loop was just a little bit too mm-hmm. short. Um, <laughs> but I did. I like some of the one-mile loops, like um, Michael Vallone's Mofamidal races. It's just so easy to say, I'm just going to go out for one more loop. Mm-hmm. And those one more loops add up, and then you've done 20 more miles than you thought you were going to do. Right. Um, but then... With those one-mile loops, I found, for me personally, you know, I'm kind of a social person. I like to talk. So Mm -hmm. I'd go to my aid station, see some people I know, maybe that were on a relay team or were just hanging out, start talking, and like, oh, I probably could have ran two laps in this time that I was talking to you, Um, which it's part of the experience, and it's fun. And I never really stress out about, like, oh, I have to hit a certain goal, so I don't mind that. But it is one of the more challenging parts of the little loop races. Right. But... The loop is, like you said, there's so many parts. It's familiarity. It's like you're right. You're, I always say with Mind the Ducks, like you're always just a, at most a half mile away from your car. Right. Right. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you ever need anything or you need a good place to cry or to go home, like it's all right there. Yeah. Um. So, all right. So you decided that you're going to do this big hundred miler um, and and I guess volunteering for it all and coordinating the volunteers wasn't enough for you? No, I kind of felt like I wanted to see if I could do it. Yeah. And that was kind of my whole mentality. Like, I haven't tried running 100 miles before. Let me give it a try. Mm-hmm. And you actually, throughout that race, you had most, I'm sure you had your down moments, but most of the time you were kind of steady-paced. Right. You were just kind of even Steven most of the most of the day. Yeah. And that's another thing. Um, The race has three different loops. So each loop you do six times and it's really easy to compartmentalize the race into three different sections. Like I had my goals for the first section. I wanted to do it in a certain amount of time. You know, I had my plan for nutrition and breaks and everything like that, changing clothes. Um, And then the second section I had pacers start with me. Um, and the terrain was so different. I took, I sat down and I took about a 45-minute break between the first section and the second section. And when I got out to run again, I had like one tiny ache in my calf. But other than that, it didn't really feel like I had been on my feet all day. So it was really 
kind of a nice format. It was easy to stop and say, okay, I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to go start a different race. Yeah. And that was, that was the other thing you did was you took a lot of rest when you, when you needed it. Yeah. Um, I, some parts of me wish I could have taken longer rests because just the fatigue towards the end really wears on you. Um, but I recognized, you know, even this half hour, 45 minute break is really going to help and help me sort of rejuvenate rest, um, get off my feet for a little bit and then be able to keep moving. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if I didn't take those rests, I think my body would have Mm -hmm. given out on me eventually. But that's one of those benefits of that loop, right? Is the idea of you're like, oh, I'll come back in a couple miles and hang out a little bit. And so getting to that idea of like the familiarity and the social aspect and Mm -hmm. the convenience of the loop races and all that. It's uh it seems like you you took advantage of all of those aspects. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, um let's go and talk a little bit about how you worked yourself up to 100 miles. Okay. <laughs> Sound good? That. Yeah. Um so going back uh last year you ran Twisted Branch, so that's your I ran Twisted twi- Branch in 2017. Year. Right. So that's your 100k. Mhm. Um and then you had your candlelight 12 hours, which was like three years ago, right? Candlelight was my last long run before Twisted Branch. So that was 2017 okay. as well. Okay. So how did you get um, how did you get to the point where you decided that you really like doing this for an absurd amount of hours? That's an interesting way to put it because I'm not even sure that I like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just sort of like... You know, Twisted Branch is a very challenging but enjoyable race, Um, and I did struggle with parts of that race, and there were times when I didn't think I was going to make it, and I ended up making it to the finish line, Um, and that sort of made me wonder, well, if I can do this, what else can I do? How How did you get to the point where you were even wondering if you could do Twisted Branch, though? Um, peer pressure. (laughs) One of my good friends had run it the previous year um, when the time cutoffs were a little more tight and did end Mm. up making it, I think, 40, 45 miles. um, And then just training with her and hearing all the stories about Twisted Branch and seeing her excitement. I'm like, you know, I really want to try this race. I want to see what it's all about. I want to get this experience, too, and have these stories. Okay, I can see that. I I fell victim to such a such a, a ploy before. Yeah. <laughs> Friends tell you about your uh, good experience, and uh, you want to get some of that for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know. So, uh, how did you get started running? What was? Do you remember? Like, was there a trigger where you're like, "I'm gonna get going here now"? Well, I think I started running in I think it was 2012. Um, And at the time, I had been teaching kickboxing classes, and I found that kickboxing had sort of become routine. I was really plateaued. The workouts weren't as challenging as they had been, and I didn't feel like my body was really benefiting, and I wanted to challenge myself. And running had always been very hard for me. I was not a naturally gifted runner, um, and I never really enjoyed it, but I decided I was going to try to run because... I wanted a challenge. What I was doing currently wasn't challenging. So I started training. You know, I got a treadmill and I started running inside. 
And um, when I felt confident, I'd go outside and try to run a mile or two on the road. Um, and then I started looking for 5Ks and that type of thing. Um, and the great thing about that is when you're out running these races, you're meeting people, you're meeting other runners and making friends. And you're hearing about these other races and these other things that they're doing. And you're learning about trails and you're learning about ultras and all sorts of crazy stuff. So a 5K is like a gateway race, I guess. A 5K is a gateway race. Yes. Uh, some people just run 5Ks. They do, and that's great. You know, and that's the wonderful thing about running. You yeah. find the point where you enjoy yourself. And if you enjoy yourself running a mile and that's all you want to do, that's what you do. If you enjoy 5Ks and you want to, you know, beat your previous time, that type of thing, that's great. That's the great thing about running. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's a place for everyone. So you, you, it was hard for you. You weren't naturally gifted. So you started working at it. Mm -hmm. How did it become fun for you? Just circles of friends? Is that? Yeah, I think a lot of it was the social aspect. Um, and I also really enjoy the personal milestones that come with running. Like, oh, wow, I've never run that distance before. Oh, wow, I've never run a mile under that pace before. So it's really a very personal journey. It's not like, you know, you're part of a team winning championships, which is great too. But with running, it's a lot easier to set those goals and just really look at yourself and figure out where you want to be and try to get there. Do you remember that first time when you were like, I'm having fun? No. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I remember little things. Like I remember training for my first half marathon, the first time I ran eight miles, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and just that feeling of accomplishment that came along with that. So I guess you could say that's having fun. Yeah. I mean, if if you, if you get done and you're like, huh, I'm going to do that again, right? Mm-hmm. So when you started out, you said uh, one of the things I, I thought was a, li a little funny was I started practicing indoors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And once I felt confident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you have a lot of, I don't know, it's, you know, the way society sees you like, oh, look at that person. They're out on the road. They stink at running. They shouldn't be there. And then you realize that those things don't really exist. Yeah. But it's that matter of boosting your self-confidence um, and it's kind of funny because my birthday's in January, um, and my brother, my older brother, called me and he was, at, you know, wished me a happy birthday. He asked what my husband got me for my birthday, and I said, "Oh, he got me a treadmill." And he's kind of like, "Shay, is he trying to tell you something there?" And I'm like, "Oh no, no, I wanted it really." <laughs> <laughs> I asked for this punishment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now, people that know you mm -hmm. uh, are are at least familiar with you. They wouldn't think of you as a self-conscious person. Probably not, no. No. I mean, at least in running circles. I don't think they're like, oh, they're shy Shay right there. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm shy at first, but it really doesn't take me long to yeah. warm up. and. Yeah, so I don't think anybody would think of you as a person that was practicing running <laughs> um, before they decided to go out and run in public. <laughs> So what happened? I don't know. I think I just wanted to be able to the point where I could, you know, run a mile without walking, run two miles without walking. Mm -hmm. um, but how did you get there? When How did you leave the safety of the, of the birthday present? Well, it helped when it 
started getting warmer. You know, like I said, my birthday was in January, so I ran on the treadmill for the colder months. And then it got warmer. I wanted to be outside, try, you know, running down the street to a certain point, turning around, running back, um, and realizing that it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Was there was there a point where you were like, mm, maybe this isn't for me? Yeah, <laughs> probably around a mile and a half into the run. <laughs> but then I'd finish it and think, oh, I ran two miles. Wow, that's great. Maybe I ran two miles a little bit faster than I ran two miles the last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, did you go right away to uh, to the gear, or did that take a little while? Did you just, like, have whatever running shoes you had and a pair of shorts? Yeah, that took a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, I would go to the cheap footwear stores and find a cheap pair of shoes, and then I found out that one of the pairs that I bought to run in was actually designed for walking instead of running. You know, I didn't know <laughs> no wonder why. <laughs> yeah. No wonder why I'm so slow. <laughs> exactly. maybe, I should, maybe I should check my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because, well, like I was thinking you said, okay, I got the treadmill and I had to practice. A lot of people, when they get into a hobby, they get all the gear first, right? You know, mm-hmm. like they, uh, they go, they're getting into photography, they go get the camera, they get the tripod, the bag, the lens cleaner, all the stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, now I have all the tools to do the thing. Right. But it seemed like you were, there was something that hit, you asked for a treadmill for your birthday. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that, you didn't ask for like a puppy or anything? Oh, I <laughs> don't usually have a problem getting puppies. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I just thought, you know, I want to try running. And like I said, I was nervous about running outside. So I thought, oh, you know, yeah. a treadmill indoors usually, is a good way to start. Usually somebody has some sort of event, you know, or a thing. But you just decided, all right, I'm going to try. I'm going to practice this. Oh, now the sun is shining. Now I'm going to get outside. I'm going to run. And then suddenly you're running. Yeah. <laughs> What um what was the trigger that got you to sign up for your first race? That's a good question. I'm trying to remember what my first 5K was, and nothing comes to mind. Mm. I do remember um, my first trail 5K, which was the Menden Trail Races in November in 2012. That's a 10K, Shay. This is when they had the 5K option, Chris. Wow. If you remember, I think 2013 yeah, way back. was the last year they had a 5K option, and then they changed the course yeah. to what it currently is. So those of you who go way back yeah, I do, remember I do the not, old Menden I do not, I was not running course. trails back then. I didn't know people ran trails back then. I was so naive. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And I didn't really think much of it because I've always been the type of person who likes the outdoors and I, you know, would take my dogs on the trails and things like that. And then, of course, you finish the trail 5K and you think, oh, man, that's my worst 5K time ever. But when you think about the terrain, you know, there's hills and roots and rocks and things that you don't encounter during your road 5K. So it's a lot different. And it took me a little bit to realize that and realize that my trail 5K is going to be a few minutes slower than my road 5K. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. funny is I was out at Menden. I was doing Menden things. Mm-hmm. I just, I was always hiking. I hiked high school and college and everything. I just never went like intentionally faster than a hike. Right. And I don't know. You know, things, things get weird. Um, but I, so I ran, I'm trying to think. No, I've ran 
my first trail race was damn good. And I'm trying to remember that was 2013. So okay. it's right around that. I guess I just didn't know the Menden race because I ran that damn good on the way to the Rochester Marathon. Okay. So, yeah, I was running trails in 2013. Awesome. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I, I didn't know. I, the years go by so quick. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So you don't remember your first 5K, but you remember your first trail 5K. Yes. Which is important. Um, were you, were you like, um, do you differentiate between road running and trail running? Were you like, I used to run this and now I run that? Do you, do you, how do you prefer your runs? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those trail snobs that'll say, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to pay money to run on roads. I mean, I, I would for the right reason. Um, but yeah, I, I prefer trails. I prefer to do my training on trails. Um, I will run roads. I think sometimes it is nice to just sort of be able to go and not have to worry about the rocks and the roots or maybe just be able to go a little bit faster than you normally would. Um, I do enjoy running on the canal. Um, that's kind of nice, you know, a little out and back, go to a certain point, turn around, come back, relatively flat, you know, not a whole lot of traffic, maybe some other cyclists, runners, that type of thing, but no vehicles, no stoplights. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a nice change of pace. Yeah, and you got those uh, country roads, so there's that, right? Yeah, I don't like running on the road where I live because it is a country road. There's not much shoulder. Um People tend to drive pretty fast, and there's a couple hills that are pretty blind. So I'll run on my road. Like, if I really want to go for a really quick run, I will. Um, but usually it's, you know, a destination, and the destination is a trailhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the way it goes, right? Um, all right, so you you start running, you're doing your 5K, and you decide you like it somehow, mm-hmm. and now you're going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. That was sort of like, um, you know, talking about getting into the social aspect and, you know, the interesting thing about the Menden 50K is you're hanging out there before the race with runners that are doing other distances. You know, they had at this time a 5K, a 10K, a 20K and a 50K. So you're standing there talking with all these runners that are doing different distances. Of Mm -hmm. course, the 50K runners were gone because they start much earlier um, but I'm talking to people oh yeah I'm running the 20k I'm running the 30k last year I did the 50k and you just sort of realize you know people do this these aren't superhuman you know this is something yeah. that real people can do and mm-hmm. maybe I want to do that someday so you look for the races you know maybe you look for a 10k um, like I said I did do some half marathons they were on roads um, but they were that half marathon distance and you just kind of try to push yourself and Find what you like doing and find what you want to do more of. Yeah, and that's funny because your your peer group is really the great enabler, right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to ask you the same question of how did you get into ultras, it's going to be the same thing. It really is. <laughs> it's kind of, you hang out with the wrong crowd. Exactly. Suddenly, 20 milers on a Sunday seem like a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> at the time they did. <laughs> yeah, let's get up at 5 a.m. and run in the woods for 20 miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if I remember, you've now you've now uh, done 
birthday 20 milers, right? You've wrangled your own run groups, right? Yeah, that's one thing I really love to do is organizing casual runs, mostly because there's a lot of places where I want to go that maybe I haven't been before or I haven't spent a lot of time, and I don't really like to go by myself. So I just sort of invite anyone that wants to come along with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how a lot of my group runs get started. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, my birthday run, like I said, my birthday is in January. um, And I invited pretty much everyone I knew that was a runner. And I think we had about 30 people show up. Um, And there were two distance options. The first was a 12 mile, which most people did. And then the second distance option was adding an extra eight miles um, for 20 total. And there was a handful of people that did that as well. Mm -hmm. And it was snowy. It was. It was cold and snowy and icy. And the trail wasn't flat. Oh, no. <laughs> no, this was a very challenging trail. Yeah. So I don't know what's better, getting a treadmill for your birthday or a 20-mile snowy <laughs> ice. Well, I absolutely know what's better. <laughs> yeah, now we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's but it's but isn't it funny to sort of look and go, well, I wanted to try running. Now yeah. it's Now it's my thing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't run. Yeah. Or... Uh, I don't know if I want people to see me to, I don't really give a damn that people see me. Exactly. Take my picture. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Um, So let's work our way up. Uh, You you had said Candlelight was your last big run before Twisted Branch in 2017. Yes. And that's kind of really, was that really your entry into ultras? Was the, the Candlelight 12 hour and then Twisted Branch? I'd done a few 50Ks. Um, 2017 itself was a pretty big year. That was um, the inaugural year of Many on the Jenny. And I believe that was also the inaugural year of, or was that 20? No, I think that was 2018. I'm thinking of English's Ridge Rumble, Hmm. um, which is at Green Lake State Park in Syracuse. Um, But no, 2017, um, I ran Many on the Jenny, which was a 40-miler, and that was my longest run at the time. And that was at the end of June, and I signed up for Candlelight, and I did 45 miles at Candlelight. So that became my longest run at the time. And then a month later, I had Twisted Ranch. Yeah, that's a that's a big year. It was a very big year. <laughs> Lots of running that year. So many on the Jenny. Uh, that was the first year. Yes. Um, now the interesting thing about many on the Jenny that first year was I'm pretty sure it was a lot of people's first 40-miler. Yeah, I think you're right. That race opened. Um, mm-hmm. Trail Methods, uh, Sheila and Eric, um, nay, Trails Rock, now mm-hmm. Trail Methods. Um, everybody signed up for that race very quickly. And our girl 40-miler sold out months before. Mm-hmm. And everybody's signing up for it as their first 40-miler. Yep. And you were one of those people. I was. Actually, it's kind of a funny story. I was on a training run at Menden in the fall, and I want to say I was training for the Menden 50K. And I just remember it being a miserable run. I did not enjoy it. I cut my distance short. I ended up actually popping off of the trail and taking the road back to the parking lot. And something about that experience 
made me feel like I needed to sign up for a 40 mile race. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this so much. Yeah, it's like, this is awful. I can't do it. I'm going to go. I literally went home and signed up for many on the journey. How could I make this worse? Exactly. (laughs) What else can I do to torture myself? Yeah. Um, So were you nervous leading up to that? I mean, what was the preparation for your first 40 miler? I was nervous. Um, One of the things that really helped was a group of us went down and did a preview of the park side of the trails. Um, Many of us are familiar with the Finger Lakes Trail um, with various races that go up and down there and training runs and that type Mm -hmm. of thing. And Mm -hmm. I'd never actually run inside Letchworth Park. So a big group of us went down. Um, We staged cars so we could do a point to point. And we had some people that knew those trails really well and were able to follow the map from the Many on the Denny website. And that preview run really made me feel pretty good about it. I got a feel for what the trails were like. Um, there was a couple hills, but they weren't as bad as they could have been. So that made me feel a little better about it. Um, and yeah, just seeing those trails and realizing that I probably wasn't going to get lost on race day and that I could do it and I could make it through um, that really was a big confidence booster. So so you did that. That's real good. Preview mm-hmm. run, group friend. Did you have training groups? Did you um was it basically just sort of joining group runs? How do you how did you prepare yourself to run your longest distance? Yeah, there was, you know, like you said everyone signed up for that race, so there was a lot of people to choose from to find buddies that wanted to go out and run on a Saturday or Sunday and run some long miles and get those good training runs in and back-to-back runs, you know, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, Sunday morning type of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's helpful. Very helpful. (laughs) Because it's really hard to motivate yourself for that kind of crappy weather 20-miler, you know. Yeah. Yeah, training partners are definitely a good thing mm-hmm. when it comes to those longer distances. Yeah. Um, did you find uh, that you were, was that an easy training cycle for you? Or were you like fighting injuries or motivation or schedule or anything like that? Or did you just kind of coast right up to the start line and go? Um, 2017, I was, in my mind, a fairly inexperienced ultra runner, but I think it as far as training, it actually went really well. Um, in twenty February 1st of 2017, I decided I was going to try to run every single day for the month of February. And I picked February on purpose because it's the <laughs> shortest month. Um, so February 1st, and I purposefully didn't run January 31st because I knew, you know, get, tomorrow. Get rest day. Yes, tomorrow I'm going to start running. Um, and so that actually started a run streak for me. Um, I think it was February 5th or 6th, so fairly new into the month. I signed up for um, Goose Adventure Racing's Cast a Shadow, which is another loop course. Um, And normally it's snowshoe, but in 2017 there wasn't enough snow, so it was a trail race. And I did end up getting um, the marathon distance. I think it was around 26 or 27 miles the way the loops added up. So I ended up getting that in within the six hours, which was really fun really great time again just being out in the woods being out in the lodge with a bunch of trail running friends um but then came the next day and I had done this 
run streak commitment and I wasn't even a week in and I had to run the next day. And I had a really hard time wrapping my head around that because in the past, after I'd done something like that, you know, a marathon, half marathon, I would give my body a good week or two of rest without any running. Um, So this was a whole new challenge for me. And again, there was a group that was doing chunks of the Crescent Trail on Sunday mornings and they had a really nice start time. I think it was like 10 or 11 o'clock. And so I said, okay, well, I said I'm going to do this run streak, so I'm going to get up and I'm going to join them and we're going to run. And we did four, it was four or five miles on the Crescent Trail. And it was, I want to say like the northeastern end of the Crescent Trail. So it wasn't, you know, there wasn't any Chair Hill or Indian Hill or anything <laughs> in there. It was like the more um, meadowy rolling area of the Crescent. and. Okay. We did this four and a half, five mile run together. Um, and there was a few of us that had also been at Cast a Shadow the night before. So some of us were hurting. A little creaky. Yeah, you know, a little stiff. But I learned um, something new. I learned the importance of a recovery run. Mm. Um, in the past, I'd always thought, well, that's a silly thing. Why would you run after your run? Why would you run when your legs are tired? And I realized that getting out and just that easy motion just for a couple miles Mm -hmm. really did help speed up the recovery. And I think that's one thing um, for 2017 that really helped me was getting out and doing those recovery runs after challenging myself from an ultra or from a longer distance run um, and just keeping your body moving. Yeah, it's the best uh, get to, as they, I guess scientifically they say you're getting the lactic acid out, right? I've heard that phrase, yeah. yeah. But I think what you're really doing is getting off your butt, you know, exactly. when you don't want to. Mm-hmm. So did you set that run streak, like, did you have a lot of, like, one-mile days, or were you doing, like, I'm just going to go out and do my thing? I did have a lot of one-mile days, and it would get hard to schedule, like, if you've got a full day at work, mm-hmm. something going on after work. Maybe you miss your alarm so you don't run in the morning. You've got to try to find a way to squeeze in your run and not be a gross sweaty mess for all your other commitments. Yeah. So, yeah, there were a lot of one-milers in there. And um, is the run streak something you've gone back to now sort of as a tool to keep yourself motivated, or was it just that one February? Uh, My run streak ended August 5th of 2019. Oh. Which was the day after Mighty Mosquito. Um, it was 915 days in total. That's pretty great. I'm pretty proud of it. And I'm also happy that I stopped it when I did. Um, you know, running. <laughs> 916 <laughs> days might have been a mistake. Yeah. My legs were in pretty rough shape after Mosquito. And I just said, you know, I asked a lot of my body these past couple days. And now it really needs a break and I'm going to give it a break. Um, and I know you said we were going to talk a little bit more about Mosquito a little later. but mm, Go ahead. Um, this is your world. <laughs> I really destroyed my calves running that race. Um, and I, you know, the la- after, after about 80, 85 miles, I could just really feel it. And I could feel like the muscle tearing, but I pushed through it. Um, you know, I said I'd I didn't come this far to stop, so I kept going. Um, the last six miles were pretty painful. Um, a lot of power hiking, not really a whole lot of running. And that was the last loop, which I made the final cutoff, went out on the last loop. That was a power hike. And then the mile the mile fun run to get the bell buckle, that was a hike up to the water tower and back. 
Um, That's probably exactly what you wanted to be doing with calves like that, right? Going up to the water tower. Yeah, and thankfully I did have um, the trekking poles with me, so that did help offload a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the way up to the water tower, my husband actually came, and he was my trekking pole, so I'm holding on to him the whole whole way up and down. (laughs) Um, But yeah, my my calves were pretty destroyed, and you know I'm sitting there. I took the next two days off of work. And I'm sitting there in the comfy recliner looking at the damage I've done to my legs. And I had bruising on the back of my calf. And it was sort of like, at what point do I seek medical intervention? At what point do I not handle this on my own? And, you know, I I work in healthcare. I'm not a practitioner. I'm not on the clinical side. But I've been around enough medical records that I – and I – have seen a lot of emergency department and urgent care records. And so I kind of get a feel for what a practitioner would recommend. I said, okay, I'm resting. I'm icing. I'm taking anti-inflammatories. I'm doing gentle stretching. What are they going to tell me to do that I'm not already doing? They might try to put me on a stronger painkiller, but I don't really feel like I need that because, you know, as an ultra runner, you get a pretty high pain tolerance you're like okay yeah this is gonna suck for a few days or a few hours or whatever and you just kind of push through it you're just sore big deal big deal you're sore yeah exactly (laughs) wow so no no real qualms about 916 pretty happy with where you ended up yeah i mean Uh, part of me was like oh maybe i'll make it to a thousand days but I, I'm happy with the way my streak ended. Yeah, maybe if you would have ran a fall 100-miler, right? <laughs> yeah. So what was the decision process on February 28th? Was it, you know what, I'll run again tomorrow? Or did you already know, like, most of the way through that streak that you were going to keep going? I think it was around 20 days in. You know, they say it takes, what, like 20 or 40 days to start a habit. And by the end of February, running every day was becoming a habit I was finding ways to squeeze it in and I was getting that like little bit of anxiety if I'm getting out of work and I haven't run yet and I haven't made a plan to run I'm like okay I need to figure this out and then of course I have that handy treadmill that you can just jump on in February or March or April and I have to worry about bundling up so that really helped too Mm -hmm. but yeah I just sort of thought you know if I can run after doing a marathon at Cast a Shadow I can run a mile you know, it's, you know, 10, 12 minutes out of my day. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like that served you well. You didn't miss any training days. Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so getting um, getting to sort of one of your really big events, uh, Twisted Branch, mm-hmm. you said you sort of wanted, you wanted a piece of the action, yeah. so to speak, right? You wanted to be in it. Um, was it a similar sort of approach to many of the Jenny? Just find some friends and organically train your way up to 100K? Well, my mindset going into Twisted Branch was a lot different. Um, I had done some preview runs there as well. And the trail is absolutely beautiful, but it's so incredibly challenging. Um, and I think my running friends had more confidence in myself than I did. Because I wasn't sure that I would finish that race at any point. Um, You know, it was challenging. There were cutoffs. You had to move to get to those cutoffs. And I just sort of said, you know what? I'm going to try. 
And everyone I know that's done this race has enjoyed every single part of it that they've done. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do that. And going into it, I said, you know what? I am going to run and I'm going to run until someone tells me to stop. (laughs) That either I'm going to miss a time cutoff or I'm going to come into an aid station looking like death and they're going to tell me not to go on. I'm going to run until someone tells me to stop. And no one told me to stop. So I kept going. Yeah. Just figured I got this far. Mm -hmm. So um, as as we were joking this year at Twisted Branch, um, you uh, you didn't want um, you didn't want Stackhouse to uh, (laughs) beat your record. You had said. (laughs) So. it's funny because you 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 kind of hold that with a little bit of pride, but there is a, a reason to hold that record. You were on the course longer than anybody else and <laughs> yes, finished the I race, was. right? Yep, I have the the time record for the longest time spent on the Qu- Twisted Ranch course and crossing the finish line. And crossing the finish line, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. There's some other people I think that might still be out there. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and crossing the finish line. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you persevered through that whole thing, you know? Yeah. And again, I mean, there was a lot of great support. The aid stations were absolutely wonderful. And of course, I had my best friend pacing me, which I could not have done it without her. Um, you know, you know, Nicole, she's a wonderful person. And she really, when I got to Bud Valley and you can pick up your pacer and she crewed me throughout the day, too. So I'd see her at the aid stations where crew was allowed um, and I just, you know, on my low points, I would just say, I just have to make it to Bud Valley. I just have to make it to Nicole and then everything will be okay. And it was, we, I got to Bud Valley and, you know, she's just such a breath of fresh air and she's got this wonderful, eh, happy energy. Fresh air. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and she kept me going. Energy. I'll say she's got energy. <laughs> no, she's wonderful. She is, I guess. Um, so what? That day, right? That day is about this big new challenge for you, and you got your friend there. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get out of those low points for a 20-hour and N minutes race? You have to hit some low points. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so, there were definitely low points. So what do you do to sort of work yourself out do you have techniques or do you just sort of hope they pass I just sort of think about what's immediately ahead of me like for Twisted Ranch it was going from aid station to aid station like okay you know there's going to be an aid station in a couple miles you just have to make it to that aid station and just sort of use that as motivation to push for it because you know at the aid station there's going to be your friends there's going to be food there's going to be ice you know there's going to be cold things to drink and there's going to be everything you need at that aid station. So you just have to push forward. You know, yeah, these hills suck, but you, you have to do it. You got to go. You got to get to that aid station because even if you quit right there, you're on your own. Right. But aid stations are also fun to hang out at, especially with somebody who's as good of a volunteer as you are. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, they are fun to hang out at. Um, and it is hard to find a balance between the right amount of time at the aid station and too much time at the aid station. Um, and yeah, and then you do have the people at the aid station that are kind of watching the clock for you and saying, okay, you've been here a little bit. (laughs) Get get get, out. Got to get back on the road. You got to get back on the trail. You got to keep moving. Yeah. Rent, no rent here. Exactly. So overall, 
positive experience, right? And positive enough that you decided you wanted 35 more miles the next year, right? Yeah. Um, two years, I guess. Yeah, 2018 yeah. was kind of my quote-unquote year off. I did two 50Ks, and that was it. Yet you still ran every single day. I did, yeah. So, I kept my streak alive through so, 2018. Yeah, during your year off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere in 2018, you adopted a new piece of gear, where, when when did you finally adopt when when did you grow your horn? Oh I had that for twisted branch. For the, I had the light up one for twisted branch. Right. But that was like an accoutrement for that day. <laughs> yes. Soon after it sort of became a body part, didn't it? Well, I found the one that I wear most often at the Lilac Festival. Oh. And it was I think a stand that was aimed towards kids. Um, but I didn't really care. And I looked at them and I found a color that I liked and, you know, I think it was like five bucks and I bought it. And now I wear it most of the time running or volunteering. I've got my little unicorn horn on and I've got people that I don't really know come up to me and say, Hey, don't you run with a unicorn horn on? I say, yes, I do. Yeah, that's you. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it became a, it became an appendage. Exactly. (laughs) Well, it was funny at Mosquito. I wore it definitely the first loop. And I think part of the second loop, and then I took it off. I think it was around the time I put my headlamp on. And the light-up one has since been retired. The batteries died, and I haven't replaced it. Mm. Um, but once the sun came back up, I had people asking, you know, are you going to put your horn back on? <laughs> you started with the horn. You should really finish with the horn. And there's a picture of me. I forget who took it, but I had just come back. I had, like, one or two loops left to go, and I was tired, and I put the horn back on, and I've got this, like, this really dejected face with the horn on. And the like, okay, unicorn? I just got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> just got to power. You got to get your unicorn powers. Yes. So um, not a unicorn with a cutie mark, though. You don't have one of those, right? You're not like a little My Little Pony kind of magical unicorn. You just have your headband. Yeah. Yeah. The cutie mark thing's a little bit weird. Yeah, I'm not sure I know what that is. Oh, you don't know My Little Pony? No. Oh. I don't hang out with many young people. I don't, oh, I'm not well. hip with all the well, the recent stuff. The it was also have. when you were young, too, Miss. You were young once. Really? That was a while ago. Huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so My Little Pony has come around, right? So it was popular when we were young, mm-hmm. and now it's come back around again. That's very true. Yeah, so, all right, we'll strike this all. None of this will ever come out. We, okay. won't, we won't ever talk about cutie marks. It'll just be chopped right out of the hair. <laughs> Nobody will even, just between you and I. All right, maybe the <laughs> Patreons. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know. I'm a kind of a lazy editor. That's so fine. <laughs> it might actually just stay here. So when I do the big so like that, that usually means we're going to go somewhere else. That's fine. You don't have to explain <laughs> but, yourself. Well, I'm not really explaining myself. I'm trying to think like uh, I'm, that's me thinking out loud. Um, so let's talk a bit about plants. Okay. Let's talk about plants. Um, so you've done all this running, all this racing, all this 100 miling, mm-hmm. all this unicorning. Yep. Um, on plants. Yes, just plants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you say on plants, I do refer to myself as vegan. I know some people say plant-based versus vegan, depending on your whole mentality. Um, but yeah, I've been vegan for 14 years. I actually stopped eating meat when I was 12, so it's been pretty much a lifelong 
journey for me. And 12 plus, so you're 46 now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I've never, math's never been my strong suit, so. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and that's um, one of the things that people often talk about is endurance runners, and it's being broken down now, right? Like the the myth of, you know, all the animal protein or all the things that you're supposed to or not supposed to eat for very long endurance races, right? That's mm -hmm. It's sort of crumbling a little bit, would you say? I'm not sure what you mean by crumbling. Well, so I think of um, I think of Scott Jurek's book, right, Eat and Run. Mm -hmm. And I think of when he talks about as he was becoming an athlete, right? He was on the ski team, and he always thought he had to eat lots of protein. So even as he's eating, like, whole foods and he's making very nutritious kale salads and smoothies and all that, mm -hmm. he's still swinging by McDonald's to get his chicken sandwiches, because he needs to have protein because he's an athlete, oh. right? And then eventually he learns, like, yeah, I don't really need it, mm -hmm. right? And there's um, the idea that uh, that's sort of what I mean about crumbling, like these perceptions that you must have this thing or you must eat that way. A lot of things, like, um, in, the, in a similar way, um, spaghetti... Uh, dinners before marathons, oh, right? The like, carb the, like the day yeah. before the marathon, you got to go to the spaghetti dinner and carb load. And that's sort of falling apart a little bit. Like eating three giant bowls of spaghetti the day before a race isn't going to really help you. That sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> but so that's, I guess what I was saying is like the diet, the ideal diet or the prescribed diet is, and the idea that vegans um, or just strictly plants or just strictly any given diet isn't isn't really good enough yeah, um, I see what you're saying because you've done big long run streaks you've done endurance efforts you've done 20 hours at twisted branch mm -hmm. 30 hours at mighty mosquito 12 hours at candlelight mm -hmm. all of these things you're not riddled with injury. You still look mildly healthy most <laughs> days <laughs> most days yeah and I'm a pretty lazy vegan like I will eat processed foods I'll eat the fake mac and cheese I'll eat the microwave meals I don't count my grams of protein I don't count my grams of anything and yeah I do okay so I imagine the people that are more scientific about their plants do a lot better mm -hmm. but yeah it's funny because like you're saying you know people think like the whole where do you get your protein joke and mm -hmm. I don't think people realize like there's a little bit of protein in almost everything. There's protein everywhere. Yeah, it's even if it's a, like four grams here, five grams here, you know, potatoes have protein. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it all adds up. Right, and and I think that maybe that's why you made that very dis, uh, sharp distinction. You said, I said plants, but you say vegan. Mm -hmm. And and I think like if I were to throw the, the two labels on the table, I think a lot of people would say, oh, Plant powered is really more about the nutrition aspect. I'm I'm nutritionally mm -hmm. choosing to be plant powered, whereas the other label might be I'm making ethical choices or I'm making even nowadays political choices. Right, mm -hmm. but they they can both be the same thing, but right. it's it's more like how you go about it, right? Yeah, um, and I am. Um, I call myself vegan for the animals. You know, I stopped eating meat when I was twelve because I couldn't 
put aside the fact that that chicken used to be running around and that cow used to be mooing and that pig used to be standing up and not on a plate. Um, And so that's kind of what I've shaped my life around, you know, doing what I can to cause the least amount of harm to the world around me. And it's really hard to have that philosophy and not do it for environmental reasons and then not do it for health reasons. Um, So they do kind of all spill into each other. But honestly, if you tell me that you're going to stop, you know, you're going to go on a plant-based diet and it's 100% for health reasons, I'm still going to support you because, you know, we're still doing the same thing. We're still eliminating, you know, those agricultures that I, I personally feel aren't really necessary. Yeah, I think people try to put labels on things to make them easier for themselves to understand. You know? mm-hmm. So that's why I just said, let's talk about plants, because that yeah. that gets it right out on the table. We're talking about plants. Um, so do you find it um, do you find it necessary to bring a giant crate of food to a hundred miler or do you find that you can still get what you need to? I I do. I tend to rely very heavily on my own things that I'm used to. Um, and one of the reasons is in this wonderful world of being plant-based, I've also tried to eliminate gluten from my diet. Oh, And okay. being the gluten-free vegan is like the worst stereotype ever. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, I do like, you know, your peanut butter and jelly at aid stations. Those, you know, for a short race might be okay might cause me some issues the next day for a long race probably a bad idea um and i'm kind of a tailwind snob like i don't like your other products i like my tailwind and i like my flavor of my tailwind and i like it to the strength that i like it at so i tend to bring my own stuff um and some of my favorite things like one thing that i found like in my 2017 year of exploring ultras um, one of my favorite things to have are prepackaged protein shakes Um, I get the plant-based protein shakes. I like the Evolve brand. Um, I used to like Vega, but then they switched from like cardboard cartons to plastic. And I kind of didn't really get the logic behind making more plastic as opposed to just leaving them in the cardboard carton. So I stopped buying Vega for that reason. Um, But I find that a protein shake every like 15, 20 miles helps me feel full. Whereas, you know, when you're running for that many hours you always kind of have that hunger pain that never goes away um Mm. so i started trying protein shakes and that really filled me up and made me feel like i had some lasting energy for a while so that's one of my favorite things to have during a ultra and some science will say that getting protein in while you're exerting yourself will help your muscles repair as well so they'll, you'll hear a lot of like four to one carbs to protein, right? Every mm-hmm. four grams of carbs take one gram of protein. So having that shake might also be helpful for recovery after the fact, you know, right. so there's that going for it. Maybe that's why you didn't get hurt, you know. That could be. Maybe like just my own weird preferences are really somehow mm-hmm. scientifically embedded in my brain. Hey, maybe you're doing what your body needs. Yeah. Maybe. Weird. I'm just, it's like a, I don't know, kind of like a Homer Simpson thing where you just sort of let it go and it turns out all right in the end. Yeah, that's that's what happens to Homer. Every, <laughs> everything comes up millhouse for Homer. Yes. <laughs> all right. All right. What do you want? What do you want to talk about next? I got a few ideas, but you got anything that you've we've bounced on or off of that you want to talk about? I want to know what you want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Well, 
what I mean, we've been talking about what I want to talk about a little bit, but what do you, so you had, you've really feel like you've sort of, it sounds to me like you found your own way through most of this stuff. Sure. Guidance with friends and peers and trying things with each other, but you are making decisions for yourself. I'm going to start on a treadmill. I'm going to run down my little road. Okay. Now I'm going to go in. What, what do you, and, and through that you've gained, you've gained the confidence that allows you to be you out on the trail. Mm -hmm. It allows you to, um, wear a unicorn horn and walk up to any stranger in the middle of the trail and have a chat. Mm -hmm. That confidence is sort of born out of all of this stuff, right? Yeah. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And I'm, I've always like ever since I was a kid, I've always been the type of person who's not afraid to do what I want. I have never been like, okay, I have to wear this brand. I've got to do this. I kind Mm -hmm. of like do the opposite. Like in middle school when everyone was like, oh, you know, I've got to wear these certain brands. I was like, I'm going to go to a thrift shop and I'm going to buy bright red polyester pants. And that's what I'm going to wear to school. (laughs) And so I've just sort of like always been this free spirit that like, you know, I talk about being self-conscious, but deep down I'm, I'm going to be me. Yeah. That's, that's who I am. So what do you say? Somebody comes up to you and they say, really, I'd like to start running, but I'm not really a runner. I don't like this. Um, I don't like wearing that. I'm too big to be a runner. I'm too small to be a runner. I'm not strong enough to be a runner. Any number of things, right? What, what are the types of things that you would say to that person or have you, you have said to those types of people? Um, one thing I like to recommend are a training group. You know, we've got a lot of great running stores in the Rochester area. They all offer training programs and, you know, look into them and pick the one that you like. You know, it might be a bigger group. It might be a smaller group. The locations are going to vary, but you're going to get that peer support. Um, One example I can use is my mom. I made the mistake of taking her to volunteer with me, and she learned about how awesome and supportive the running community is. And she's, you know, a person of a certain age, and she thought that people around her age didn't do these crazy things like triathlons and trail runs. And I made the mistake of inviting her to these things with me, first to volunteer and then to actually run. Um, And I made the mistake of introducing her to other trail runners that were around her age and around her ability. And she learned, you know, I can do this. People Mm -hmm. my age do this. People my age do this at my pace. They do this at their pace. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, the perfect example right there is everyone has excuses, but you Mm -hmm. just realize, you know, if you want it bad enough, you're going to do it. She's a person of a certain age. Yes. Well, you know, <laughs> love my mom. I don't want to embarrass her by broadcasting her age. Well, it is what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a big thing is being introduced to it and knowing it's okay, you know, and mm-hmm. sort of like, but you said you practiced inside, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> like, and I keep coming back to that because that's a thing. Like, you took what you thought was a necessary step, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what people need to do, you know? Maybe they need to practice. Uh, maybe they need to run around in their living room until they feel like they got it down, you know? Or whatever they need to do. 
right? right? Or like, you know, a couch to 5K app, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Anything you need to do to, you know, get started, get your foot in the door of running, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I think recently you had said that your husband is starting to run. I think yeah. I think you had said that at, at Mighty Mosquito, you told me that. Yeah, he has been running. It's been a couple months. Um, we've been a little busy the past few weeks, and of course I took a long break from running. Um, um, but yeah, he he's running and working on getting his mile times down. And, you know, he's more of a, like, okay, I want to, get a little bit faster so I can get this over with a little bit quicker. Um, and I don't think he's going to catch the ultra fever from me. No. I think he's going to be happy with doing his own training runs at his own distance at his own pace, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. And I told him, you know, if we, you know, we'd go out when it was like 85 degrees and buggy and sunny. And he's like, ah, oh, you know, that wasn't as good as the last one. I said, yeah, but you know what? Your next one's going to be better. Yeah. You have bad days. You have bad runs. We they're, all do. They're all individual experiences, right? Exactly. And now it's fall. It's perfect running time, mm-hmm. right? It is the running weather right now. So Yep. So maybe maybe you gotta get back on the stick so he can find his running buddy again. Yeah, I think so. That's a good goal. <laughs> How are your calves doing? Still purple? No, the purple only lasted a couple days. Um, I've actually done a couple runs without being covered in KT tape, which is a step <laughs> in the right direction. Um, that was one thing I did for fun as I was sitting on Cover the couch. Cover yourself in KT tape. <laughs> I watched all these YouTube videos about different applications for KT tape, and one was for calf tears. Um, and, you know, you watch a few videos to get a few different techniques because everyone does it slightly differently. And I found one video that I absolutely loved, mainly because the person – who was hosting it had this really thick Scottish accent <laughs> and he'd do things like halfway through, he started singing to himself, Oh, putting on the stupid KT tape. And he'd say things like, now, if you're a greasy bastard, such as myself, you may want to wash yourself before you put the KT tape on. You may want to shower at least once a week. And if you're hairy like me, you may want to shave first. And it was just really entertaining. And I learned how to tape my caps from it. So that was a plus. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> so we're all we're all up to speed there on whether or not greasy or hairy people can wear KT tape. Yes, I'm sure everyone so, was dying to know. Well, yes, you can. You just you, have to take the right precautions. You just have to prep the surface. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Um, you mentioned. Uh, I guess. I guess we'll talk a little bit about Park Run, and then the um, we'll talk about your uh, future multi sports, and then we'll get the heck out of here. Okay. I think. Uh, so park run is interesting, yeah. uh, and you said you're um, kind of working with a lady to bring park run to Rochester. Yeah, so this is actually a really funny story about park run in Rochester. Um, my good friends Heather and Rick Ostrander. I think everyone who's been in the running community in Rochester knows Heather and Rick. Um, particularly Heather, she's sort of like a local trail mom. Well, they moved out of state a few years ago. And I think it's been a little over a year now. And they just came back uh, about a month ago, came back to visit and, you know, had runs and other things lined up for their friends to come and see them. And one of the things that Heather and Rick from out of state helped out with is organizing a informational run about park run in Rochester. Cool. Yeah. So our friends who moved out of state still think of 
Rochester and our running community, and well, they, you're still trying to help us out and do some good things with us. Well, the, she can't help it. Every time she opens up a Jenny, she thinks of Rochester. Exactly. <laughs> so Heather and Rick aren't really organizers or ambassadors of Park Run themselves, but they met up with this lady, Susan, who's trying to get Park Run in Rochester up on its feet. Um, and she actually, there's an informational run tomorrow morning, which I won't be at because I'll be volunteering for the Webster Trail Classic with Trails Rock. Um, but she's starting to get some of those started and getting the word out and getting the interested people aware. So, so what's it all about? Give me the give me the F's and B's. So Park Run started over in Europe and has since grown to be an international sort of organization. Um, what they do is they put together weekly timed runs. They're not races. You don't get a prize for being first in your age group. You can compete against yourself. Um, you get like a little barcode that you can, I think, you can print it out or you can have it on your phone. And they scan you in and then you do the course. Um, it's always a 5K and your time is recorded. And it's all volunteer run. Um, they do look to do some initial fundraisers to get it started when they come to a new city. So there's going to be some fundraisers down the road here in Rochester to get it up and running. And then it's pretty much all volunteer run. You know, if you know you're going to be there almost every week, they'll ask you to volunteer and help with the timing once in a while, which works out well if maybe you've got a big race coming up or you just finished a big race and you don't really want to try to go all out for a 5K. Then you can say, okay, I'm going to time this week or I'm going to time a couple weeks. Um, and help out and it's just sort of something fun another different way to build the running community mm -hmm, mm -hmm. interesting yeah i'm looking at the they got a fun little website with a little bird and the little turtles flying around yeah they have a really cute logo yeah it's a very cute website um yeah it's free it's for everyone it's forever there you go mm -hmm, exactly <laughs> huh, that's pretty cool um and so like yeah, this episode won't be out tomorrow, unfortunately. So yeah. or it won't be out tonight for people to know about it tomorrow. But we'll have links in the show notes for people to go find it. Um, so I have the parkrun.com and this little Facebook -y page that they have. So there's that. Um, all right. So triathlons, huh? That's the thing? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, you know, I like the idea of, going from swimming to biking to running, getting your body used to it. It's a different kind of fuel. Um, you know, I was talking to someone I know, and they swim recreationally, and they have a friend who swims sort of competitively, and this friend did like a four- or five-mile ocean swim, and it took him quite a few hours, as you can imagine, because usually like, swimming... Take me a month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like top speeds for swimming are around two-and-a-half miles per hour. And I'm thinking about it, and I said, you know, I've never had to think about hydrating or fueling during a swim mm. because I don't think of being out for that long. So it's just sort of a whole different way. Like, Yeah, that's weird. You know, how you fuel for a swim during a swim versus how you would fuel for a bike during a bike versus yeah, running. Yeah, on a bike you get to eat, like, um, big uh, plates of ravioli and Yeah, pasta. you can pretty much just, like, put your – table and yeah, the handlebars and just kind of right chow down as you're biking up. yeah <laughs> yeah but in swimming i mean swimming when you where do you put your gels like you'd have to i don't know I tuck don't them even, in your wetsuit or something and hope know. they stay there wow you just you just kind of blew my mind a little bit what, what yeah. are you gonna do huh okay 
And so how good do you, luck with that. You know, how do you drink yeah. when you're thirsty during a swim? Yeah. I don't know. You don't get thirsty, just get done. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really yeah. where it comes. But then you come out of the swim so depleted, you've got to figure out how to get yourself back yeah, up because for the next you're activity. Yeah, because you're sweating when you're mm-hmm. swimming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know this is all probably 101 to all you triathletes, <laughs> but uh, this is new stuff to me. Oh, man. Oh. Um, so is that really what you're looking forward to for end of 2019 and 2020 is sort of getting into some of that? Yeah, and I did take um, an open water swim class over the summer, which is a lot of fun. You know, it's coached. We have a coach that takes us out and does different swimming exercises. We do different drills in a lake. So you've mm-hmm. got weather, you've got different currents and that type of thing to kind of learn to swim against too. Yeah. And you're becoming a better swimmer while you do it. So I think that was just really fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Wow. All right. Did we cover it all? Did we? I think so. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's cool. I mean, I probably could have talked another couple hours about Mosquito, but. <laughs> yeah, I know. You kind of just glossed right over it. You're like, there's six loops and uh, the last two were kind of pain and hurdy and the last one really was bad. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I mean, so you ran the, you helped organize the volunteers the uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. You decided you're going to run it this uh, in 2019. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do for 2020? That's a good question. Because part of me is like, oh, maybe I should do like a long triathlon, like 70.3. And mm. part of me is like, maybe I'll just take the year off and not do mm. any races and just volunteer mm-hmm. and watch everyone else train mm-hmm. and go out and run when I want to and bike when I want to. Yeah. And not have that pressure of, oh, I've got to train for a race and just sort of relax, you know. Like I say, my pig's garden is better than mine. I would love to actually have my <laughs> own garden. So maybe I'll do that next year. We'll see. I'll be around. I'm just not sure in what capacity. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for popping in. Thanks for dealing with rescheduling issues and all that other fun stuff. Yeah, no problem. It's good to chat. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. All right. Uh, Let's wrap this up then. How about that? Sounds good. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Be sure to um, check out the show notes for the links to some of these topics. I mean, I was, you maybe, maybe you heard me, maybe you didn't, but boy, I was tapping away adding links to these show notes while Shay was talking. Uh, We got some links to Mathomital and the Blue Foundation and Shay's uh, 2012, 2012 Menden 5K results. (laughs) Um, You know, and you can find uh, some info, as we said, to Park Run Movement um, so a bunch of stuff out there. Um, you can also find links to the Strava Run Group and the Patreon page. Those show notes will be at runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 089. 1989. That's like the year Shay was born, maybe. <laughs> she, maybe not. We're not sure. I'm a little I'm, bit older than that. I've never been good at math. 12 plus 14 plus 6 plus 9. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, check out all those show notes, runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 089. You can join the Strava Run group or um, join the Patreon group. Uh, if you don't know, the Patreon group gets a little um, after show that we record. Once I stop pushing the record button, generally, like, 
people on the show often remember all these other fun anecdotes that they wanted to talk about, or they slam their headphones down in disgust and say they can't believe they were treated this way. Either way, I record it for the Patreon. So um, check that out. Um, you'll get your own little feed for it, and it's pretty great. Uh, so click the banner. Um, please know that any amount of support is definitely welcome. So thanks to the Patreon supporters that are out there now, and thank you for considering it. Keep in mind, the number one way you can always support the show is to tell a friend and help them subscribe, like physically help them. I don't know why people can't find podcasts, but it's the 2019s. You got to push their buttons. Maybe even current guests on the show don't know how to subscribe to podcasts. So take their phone, push the buttons for them, and then hand it back to them and tell them this is how you do it. Um, so thanks. Uh, one last thing, I'm always interested in your comments and feedback, so drop me a line at chris at runninginsideoutpodcast.com and let me know your thoughts. Thank you all for listening, subscribing, and telling your friends. Thanks for sharing your stories and getting out there to create more stories. Until next episode, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.